Hi, I'm Dr. Sarah Howard, and welcome to the Pure Animal Podcast. On today's episode, we're talking to Dr. David Ward about veterinary acupuncture. He graduated from the University of Sydney in 1990 with a Bachelor of Agricultural Science before working for a year as an agronomist and livestock advisor in Tamworth. He then returned to Sydney for two years as a research officer and completed a master's degree in veterinary science. In 1994, he went to South Africa to start his veterinary science degree at the University of Pretoria. He then transferred to Murdoch University in 1996 to complete his degree. David is keen to incorporate complementary medicine to the conventional veterinary medicine protocols and apply an integrative all-round approach to solving small animal medicine issues. He set up a mobile veterinary acupuncture business in 2019 and in 2021 he joined All Natural Vet Care in Sydney. Good morning David, thank you so much for joining us on the Pure Animal Podcast. How's your morning been? Yeah, good thanks Sarah, it's, it's lovely to talk to you today. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you too because acupuncture is something that we've mentioned on the podcast many times, but we've never actually devoted an entire episode to this wonderful treatment modality. So I'm really excited to hear all about acupuncture um, and the work that you do and how it can be used as a treatment for lots of different sorts of conditions. But before we get into that, I'd love to hear a bit about your your background, your life history, why you wanted to be a vet and how you ended up working um, in the field of acupuncture as a specialty of yours. Yeah, well, I guess um, if you go right back to my early days as a little boy, um, two things interested me, flying aircraft and <laughs> fixing animals. <laughs> and, and, I, and I couldn't do both. And uh, there's only one of my friends that's actually ended up doing that. He's a flying vet. Oh, uh, wow. But, but uh, and I, I wanted to, I guess, always got interested in vet from watching the series. Of this, I'm giving away my age. James Harriet. Um, <laughs> Yeah, James Herriot yeah. or Creatures Great and Small. And it oh, gave me I'm a big fan of James Herriot as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's nothing to do so, with age. <laughs> yeah, so, so that certainly inspired me to want to fix animals and do mm. lots of odd things. Um, and so when I left school, um, unfortunately I didn't – I guess I'm a living example of follow your dreams mm. and don't always be put off by the fact that you don't get the marks originally at school. Yeah. Um, so I started in agriculture mm-hmm. um, with the hope of transferring to veterinary medicine um, and I sort of lost my way a bit along the way and yeah. eventually graduated from agriculture and um, thinking that I'd probably work in animal husbandry, um, doing lots of areas in that. But I came out during a time when there was a depression in the ag sector Mm. and there were no jobs in that area so I ended up going back to university and doing a master's degree um, in in veterinary science um, in dairy cattle and looking at milk protein which is something that I'm far removed from now. (laughs) Um, After that uh, while I was there I met a um, professor from South Africa who um, suggested that if I was really keen on doing veterinary medicine, and I think the main thing I developed in that time that I was doing agriculture and my research was that it's finding out what your passion is. And what I've always been driven to is is try to fix things and to treat disease, and that's really what I was after. And when I realised that, then I realised I really needed to do that. 
um, to do that. Whereas a lot of the other things are going into sort of husbandry aspects or preventative. And it's actually quite ironic that now my passion is preventative. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Yeah. Yeah. So I've come really full circle. Yeah. So um, so I so I fortunately got accepted in South Africa oh, and wow. went across to do my vet degree. The only Australian that's ever studied at Honest Abort. Wow, um, that's in amazing! In South Africa, and it's it's a fantastic veterinary degree. Yeah. Um, while I was there, I found out the degree wasn't recognised in Australia. Oh. And so, okay. fortunately, I applied back to Australia and was accepted into Murdoch University in Perth. Yep. And I finished my degree in Perth. Wow. Um, yeah, so I sort of did the full global yeah. trotting, as they say. So how long um, were you in South Africa for? Uh, two and a half years. Okay. Um, yeah, so I That's had a wonderful exciting. time, made some great friends. Yeah. And I guess the other thing I was p- quite passionate about at that time is wildlife. Yeah, And of I really wanted to be a, a wildlife vet yeah. and, and do a lot of work in that area. Um, and fortunately, I got that opportunity Shortly after graduation, um, I, my first job was with Dr. Jim Gill, who I love to death, and I think he's one of the best vet surgeons in Western Sydney, and was fantastic and a great mentor in my first year out um, so at important. teaching me. Be- and the main reason I, I took that position was because I, I wanted to do some birds because okay. I felt that the vet degree really didn't cover that area yeah. very well, yep. and especially because I was interested in wildlife and exotics, then I would have to know that area. Yep. And I learned a great deal. And then fortunately um, I, I uh, was given a position at Western Plains Zoo oh, um, wow. the year after. And Amazing. I worked with Dr David Blyde, uh, who's now up at SeaWorld, and um, I had a fantastic time at Western Plains Zoo. I was there for about three and a half years. Wow. And um, and had a steep learning curve and learned a great deal about wildlife and anaesthesia and, yeah. and lots of things like that. Um, and then realised that I really wanted to get more rounded in um, large animals as well as small animals. And so I moved to the Hunter Valley and did large animal practice there um, at Dungog near mm-hmm. Maitland. Yep. And I was there for about two, two and a bit years um, before – Moving, realizing that um, large animal practice is pretty hard work and uh, <laughs> and uh, quite frustrating in terms of lifestyle. In that I wanted to go to the beach and I couldn't get to the beach uh, very much. <laughs> yeah. And having grown up in Newcastle, I headed back to Newcastle and picked up a small animal job there. Right. Um, and uh, and then while I was there, I met my wife who was in Sydney mm-hmm. and um, she gave me the ultimatum: do I? <laughs> stay together with her or <laughs> come come back to Sydney. And so um, I came back down to Sydney and I've been down here for the last 15 years and wow, um, working okay. in small animal practice. Yep. And probably the interest in the acupuncture and integrative uh, veterinary medicine probably come about in the last five years as I got more and more frustrated with side effects of pharmaceuticals, yeah. of yep. um, problems with with being able to treat skin conditions. Mm. Um, uh, I really enjoy dermatology um, mm-hmm. and I, I also was able to do, you know, lots of surgery. I, I did membership in surgery um, as well as sort of doing um, internal problem-solving internal medicine. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt like I'd had a, quite a good in-depth yeah, um, sounds like it. Uh, conventional medicine and then I started to realise that 
once you know that there's limitations, particularly I found with chronic illnesses, things like chronic skin disease, um, chronic back pain uh, and those sort of things. And having had a lot of anaesthesia experience at the zoo, which is another passionate area of mine, I realised that um, I wanted something better for pain relief. And yeah. um, and I and I so I reached out to um, Dr. Fougere at mm-hmm. um, All Natural Vet Care, and, and after having heard about acupuncture and um, asked her whether I might be able to come and see her do some acupuncture, maybe learn how to do it. And she just laughed at me and said, uh, "You're not going to learn much in an afternoon." And, uh, <laughs> and so, so I took the bold plunge of searching where I could do a course in acupuncture. Mm-hmm. And um, and fortunately, the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies, which I rate very highly, and yep. I really strongly suggest that anyone interested in integrative veterinary health um, approach the college um, for their many courses and um, really in-depth um, teaching. Um, and I embarked on a graduate diploma in veterinary acupuncture, and um, and the rest, as they say, is history. And so, so how many years ago was that? That was in the last five years, you said. Yeah, I finished in two thousand eighteen. Yeah, and, okay, so three years ago. Uh, and so since then, I've been using that acupuncture in a mobile service, mm-hmm. uh, and then recently, um, I've just joined the team at All Natural Vet Care. Uh, with Dr. Matthew Muir and Dr. Yep. Karen Goldrick, yep. and um, and using that modality as part of um, uh, all integrative approach with Chinese herbs and Western herbs, and then obviously uh, I, I really recently have just just completing a um, certificate in canine rehabilitation as well, uh, which I feel is really where acupuncture in my hands uh, is really most beneficial. Uh, I feel yeah. that no rehab should go without acupuncture. That's my personal belief. Yeah. Wow. Well, from all of what you've just said, it seems to me that you have a real thirst for knowledge and a hunger for learning and for studying and that's something I can really relate to. And so hats off to you for continuing and to follow your passion time and time and time again. And I'm sure you'll you'll probably seek many other opportunities to continue learning about other things that, that suddenly spark your interest. That's, it's really wonderful. Congratulations on all that you've achieved so far. Yeah, well, I, I sort of feel like I've almost <laughs> reached the end. No, uh, never. You never stop learning. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I think that's the one thing we, we should always realise that if you continue to have that thirst for learning, your job is very enjoyable. Absolutely. No, it's, 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 you can just hear the excitement in your voice. So it's wonderful mm. to, wonderful to hear. Um, so let's jump in and talk about acupuncture then. I have sure. to be honest, I have been a patient of acupuncture myself and I have had acupuncture performed on horses in the past, my own horses, but I don't know much about it. I'd really love to learn and I'm sure everyone listening would as well. Can you just give us a 101 on what acupuncture is, the history of it, and how it can be used as a treatment? Sure. Yeah, it's a, a fascinating field, and I guess it's been around for over 3,000 years. It's probably the oldest form of medicine in the world. Um, in the East, uh, animals have been treated for over, three, as I said, 3,000 years and started with horses, actually, mm. and uh, and then wasn't domesticated. Dogs weren't till much later. Um, and then people, obviously, uh, have come along from there. 
Um, and in fact, the, the most fascinating history is that they found the Iceman called Utzi uh, in the Italian Alps um, in 1991 by hikers. And what they found when they found this is that not only did they discover that the Bronze Age, that he had stone equipment that, that suggested there was an earlier advent of the Bronze Age than what they believed, but they also found markings on his skin that revealed the first known use of acupuncture by man. Wow. And this this was <laughs> 5,300 years ago. Oh, my gosh. So, it, so we're thinking that in China that was it. 3,000 years ago, but what they what they did was they did MRI and CT technology and they revealed that these marks that he had on his arms um, coincided with acupuncture points to treat oh scoliosis. Goodness. Wow. And when they did the MRI CT scan, they he definitely had scoliosis. Had scoliosis. So That's even incredible. if he didn't know what he was doing, he actually had realised that by pressing points yeah. where acupuncture channels were, that he actually alleviated the pain in his back. Just intuitively, wow. Just intuitively, which was amazing. So, yeah. um, you know, it's it's quite amazing to think that. Uh, as far as the introduction to the Western world goes, we're a bit late on that mark. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably the big um, catalyst came in the, in the 90s, less than the last 50 years, when Richard Nixon went to China in 1972 uh, and what happened there was that one of his aides had an appendectomy, mm-hmm. and in China at the time they didn't believe in the Western anaesthesia protocols, and they used acupuncture uh, to do their anaesthesia. Oh and, gosh! And the whole thing was filmed by a TV crew from America, and that film went back to the US, and then obviously fascinated the the Western world that that a full surgery could be conducted without anaesthesia gas or, or any of that form. Yeah, wow. And, and pain relief. That. So that's when it just exploded. And then obviously our, our thirst for knowledge and understanding in the Western world and why do things work um, has set things off and, and, it's, um, and it's just exploded from there. And, um, and I guess if you look at how acupuncture works itself, that's now the Chinese are quite amazing. They they just believed it and they mm. just knew that it worked and they've written lots of books about their Chinese philosophy mm-hmm. um, and with that in mind, they, you know, they explain it in a different way. Uh, basically, the term acupuncture comes from the Greek term asis and meaning needle and okay. the pungare, which means to pierce. Yep. So the acupuncture is the technique of using very fine needles and these needles are about 30 gauge to 32 gauge. So mm-hmm. it's it's actually an insulin syringe sort of um, yep. uh, thickness really and they pierce the skin with a blunt point. So you've got to remember that everyone who uses a needle thinks it's got a point on it. Acupuncture needles don't have that point and therefore it doesn't, they, the patient doesn't, and most of the pain that you feel when you actually get a needle injected is from the point. So you're actually mm. tapping it through the skin. Yep. Um, to do that. And it's a long and and prob- and and certainly what we find is that the Chinese um, veterinary uh, philosophy behind it is that there's 14 main meridians or mm-hmm. channels throughout the body 
and they're aligned with individual organs, such as the bladder or the stomach or lung, uh, various other things. And they believe that there's this energy, uh, which they call qi in mm. Chinese terms, but now being recognised in Western medicine as a biofield. Uh, and there's some fascinating work coming out from um, the US in this area with um, veterinary neuroscientists. Um, Dr. Susan Wagner particularly is doing quite a lot of work over there. Um, and they're showing that there is an actual force or a, a force that holds electrons and protons apart. And this force drives blood, drives the vi- what they call in Chinese medicine the vital substances. And their philosophy is that if the qi or, and, the, or, and the blood flow is normal, then the body is healthy. And that yeah. if there's disruption of this flow, then the disease occurs. So acupuncture points, um, which are located on these meridians or channels, can up, upregulate or downregulate the flow of this energy or blood. And so probably the easiest way is just to think of a simple analogy is like the electricity mm-hmm. so that channels can be thought of as amp- amplifiers that regulate the amount of electricity passing through the network, whether it's you're turning down the amplifier or you're turning up the amplifier. And everyone goes, well, how do you know? Well, there's actually techniques you can do. So you can either turn to the left or turn to the right. It's like an amplifier. You can actually sedate them or you can tonify the effects. Mm. But a lot of the time, the body will do the work for you. Um, it actually knows what to do, which is that's the most amazing part. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that. In this way, everything in the body is connected. Now, I guess if you wanted to think about this in terms of the science behind it yeah. and understanding it from what the Western world has now done, is that they're mainly saying that the main healing effects sought by acupuncture are relief of pain and the modulation of inflammation. There's probably those two primary areas that acupuncture works on. And they're, and these are mediated by the central nervous system and probably, and they work through parasympathetic and sympathetic stimulation. Mm-hmm. And they, they believe that they create a hyper-segmental effect and that segmental effects consist of immune modulation and alteration of blood flow to locals reflexively linked to the needle site and they and at the skin they've actually done at I think it was actually I can't remember whether I think it might have been Harvard University in in human medicine they actually did histology of the acupuncture points and they showed that that those acupuncture points are quite different from the surrounding skin and when you look at it microscopically there's a thinner outer layer of skin at the acupuncture point and uh-huh. an increase in the number of nerve bundles and nerve endings. And there's tiny blood and lymph vessels in these areas and specialised cells associated with inflammation like mast cells wow. within this collagen and mucopolysaccharide matrix. So at each point... Sorry? It's incredible. Yeah. And, and this is what's fascinating about acupuncture. It's no longer becoming a myth or a mystery. We're actually realising that it is real and yeah. it actually and what it happens is anatomically and physiologically active it's just like another form of therapy so um, with these meridians um mm. obviously you said that they they sort of go from if we're thinking of a, a human standing up they go from like longitudinally down the body is that yes. right yep. yeah yep. so yep. with the acupuncture points I mean, maybe it was just intuition, but how did they find within that sort of one meridian that went the entire length of the body, 
where the acupuncture point was, given that there's such a lot large area there. How did well, how is that determined? That's, that's, that's thousands of years of research. <laughs> um, where I think can you sum it happens, up in one minute? No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, like it's it's so difficult. Uh, yeah. What they actually have have worked out that if a lot of these channels are connected to organs via nerve endings going into them. So if you actually look, if like for instance along the bladder channel, there's actually master points that you've got for certain organs. So you, for instance, there might be a stomach master point or a pancreas master point or a, um, uh, a bone master point or whatever. But what you actually find is that from that area, you've got little dorsal root ganglion and from there, yeah, okay. like for instance, bladder 20, which is at the thoracolumbar junction, when you actually stimulate that point, it makes sense. The stomach is pretty much just underneath there yeah. and that anything you do in that area is probably going to send a signal yep. to a stomach that's spasming or is it, it's changing and it will... I guess re-alter that nerve impulse that's that's heading in that direction. Yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. Yeah. So the the meridian relates to the organ, but then where your where the acupuncture point is is more related to those local um, yeah, nerve roots coming effects. out of the spinal cord. Yeah. So they yeah. they often talk about a bladder channel. Yeah. Um, but that bladder channel has offered many different spots for other organs as well. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, so it's it's sort of like, yes, that that whole effect is primarily linked to a particular organ, but there was also local effects to other organs, if you like. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And in terms of the comparison between humans and animals, Mm. are the meridians and the points largely the same? Yes, very similar. It's just all you have to do is you just have to change the distancing between yes. them yeah and you just have to like like and I do it all the time like um, I've got a little I've got two miniature Daxons and okay. everything is on a micro scale so yeah. they often talk in Chinese medicine about um, I guess you'd call it it's it's distancing using like a finger or um, uh, they sort of refer to these different links and you just have to break up the section of the limb or whatever and divide it. So they might say there's five finger lengths over the femur, for instance. So if you've got a great dane, obviously those five distances are spread apart. Yeah. So to find your stomach 36 or your stomach or your spleen nine or whatever, it's going to be more spaced out than it is in my miniature dachshunds, which are almost on top of each other. Yeah. So you, yeah. So it's just working it out. But you have, uh, they've worked out a lot of landmarks, and you can find these in most good references. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's even apps that you can get download um, that actually have this. Um, the Chi Institute has a fantastic app that um, you can download on acupuncture point that gives you exact anatomical landmarks. Yeah. And this okay. is where. It's fascinating that I just think it's an, uh, such a good area. I think a lot of acupuncture that's been done in the past has been done by non-veterinary staff. It's either being done by human acupuncturists who have training in traditional Chinese medicine, um, but I feel it's it's such a good area for vets because our anatomy is so well taught. Yeah, it and is. And when you, when you actually relate it to 
our anatomy, we know these places. We yeah. know where the tibial crest is. We know those those spots, and it all relates to that. And the the, the intervals, which they call sun, um, is basically, you know, like small finger widths, and they yep. are measured in just a little bit of difference. So, But you actually can find these marks, and you can actually even use now, they've even got acupoint needles that actually pick up that transference or that electromagnetic resonance oh, wow. and you can actually so you can actually pinpoint an acupuncture point because it actually picks needle. up an increase with a needle oh, yeah it's actually got a probe that you can use that will actually identify those spots and so um obviously we've talked about the needles and mm. um the acupuncture that i've seen is that the mm. the needles are tapped in as you say and then they're left in for around 30 minutes, mm. roughly. Um, so how does that differ if you're using acupressure and you're just using, say, your thumb or, um, you know, your fingertip? Is it the same concept but obviously just less potent? Yeah, yeah absolutely, okay. yeah. yeah. And, and uh, that's why it's strongly – and that's why massage works. Yeah. And that's why other – and, you know, all these other forms of physical therapy work because – they're all stimulating things. It's yeah, just like yeah. a potency and how long the effect lasts. Yeah. So the probably the thing I didn't really mention is that people often talk about what are the main reason it works. And pretty much the big one for pain relief is this thing called spinal gating. Yeah. And it's where the A-delta a nerve fibres are released um, locally from the neurotransmitter when you put the needle in. And these these fibres move very fast and very quickly and they block the slower-moving unmyelinated C fibres, uh, yep. which are associated often with chronic pain. And this is yep. where I feel back pain particularly responds so well to acupuncture. And is that is that similar to a TENS, the way a TENS machine works? Similar. Yeah. Similar, yep. but tens, TENS tends to work more on muscle tightness or trigger points okay. um, in those areas. It doesn't really target deep enough into the nerve bundle. Yeah, so, okay. But it is a similar type of effect um, that it's that it not only does it – I guess the thing is, once again, if you think of like electricity in the train track and you've got effects from that point of view, you can think that when you're transmitting it up through the dorsal root ganglion and then up the spinal cord – it's it's like an express train beating the freight train. The freight train can't trans can't go on the track while the express train is still sending its signal. Yeah. And the effect of the acupuncture needle being deeper into that nerve bundle means that that gives you a prolonged effect until the transmission stops. So okay. often, if it's just something like a muscle tightness or a muscle soreness then you might find that that's enough because then the muscle gets realigned and it's, re and it's in alignment and you don't have any issues versus if it's chronic pain, then you'll probably come back and it's like a physio effect. You have to come back and get a, another session yeah. if you need, to, need yeah. to get it sorted because then the chronic pain comes back. So with acupuncture, are you saying that sometimes a, a single session is enough yes. to treat? Yeah, I, yeah. I often say it may be just one off. Wow. Um, particularly I find I do a lot of sports injury sort of stuff and one-off is often enough um, because wow. that combined with resting from whatever they've done because sometimes it'll be just they've over-exercised and they've just pulled you know, an apaxial muscle in the back or it's nearly a psoas strain or something along those lines and you do an acupuncture session and that just triggers the nerve to 
repair and then and then they rest ice compression all the rest of it which is what we normally do and they'll and they'll be fine yeah okay wow so um this is a nice segue into what areas you feel that acupuncture really shines in um what mm. you're what you're doing so you've mentioned sports medicine and you you also mentioned before that you feel it should be part of every rehabilitation treatment plan mm. yeah. um and I know that's a large passion of yours, but what about other, um, what about other illnesses and other chronic conditions? I, I personally think acupuncture should be used in every treatment of every case. Yeah, uh, it's it's reached a stage where it doesn't matter what the problem; it's going to be. And this is probably the the big thing about acupuncture: it's about rebalancing the body back to its normal status quo. And and as an integrative vet, I sort of feel that. This is something that we as a profession haven't really got to the full grips of where we often throw things at it to put out fires, but we forget about how do we restore the balance so that the body can can do it. And I think that what acupuncture often does, it allows the body to do that itself. Yeah. And so that you're actually targeting it. So for instance, I use a lot of acupuncture for gastrointestinal disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use a lot for skin problems mm-hmm. um, because it often has an effect that you can actually target um, at points that are that are very um, I guess cooling uh, for heat problems mm-hmm. um, and they they can I mean in Chinese medicine there's a whole range of stuff and I'm sure we could go into detail about the Chinese medicine philosophy which is in itself is quite different mm-hmm. um, but it's it's hard to get your grips around it when you first first yeah, hear yeah um, but but what I think people don't realise is that they're, they're looking at acupuncture as a sort of a pain blocker, but there's a huge anti-inflammatory effect that acupuncture does. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at it from that point of view, it actually, a lot of things just fizzle along with inflammation, particularly any sort of chronic illnesses, things like chronic IBD, yeah. um, you know, even mental health. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's a it's a huge area that we sort of look at and say, well, why aren't we doing something about it? But there's things like often that there's things that are inflammatory cascades that produce pro-inflammatory cytokines, you know, tumor necrosis factor, IL-1B, mm-hmm. and they work simultaneously with the body's key regulator, um, nitric oxide, mm-hmm. and that is stimulated when you use acupuncture. So it okay. ends this. So it's actually ending a lot of inflammatory processes that cytokines start. So it's actually, yeah. if you want to think of it, it's a natural anti-cytokine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and therefore, you know, you sort of think, well, maybe this is the future as an adjunct therapy for moving. And a lot of it is a case that we get blood stasis. You know, like there's things where you get pooling and and the blood's not moving properly. Yeah. Yeah, and, um, and well. you mentioned earlier that how long do you put the needles in for? It's not a time limit. Mm-hmm. It really depends on the dog or yeah. the cat. Yeah. Um, they actually tell you um, because some cases, particularly young dogs, I'll find five minutes. Yeah. And it's because the pul- really the, the pulse is the indicator to you of how well the acupuncture's worked. Mm-hmm. And it actually gives you a lot of information about your point selection about whether you've actually chosen the right point, whether you've actually diagnosed the proper illness. I think the biggest problem I, I find is that um, we have a real distinction here between the training in acupuncture 
And I think that I strongly encourage that if anyone is interested in doing acupuncture, that you don't just get it done like a physio does. Um, it's not just dry needling. Uh, there's mm. a lot of philosophy behind it. Yeah. And and you need to understand the philosophy to get the best results yeah. going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and are you finding that sometimes the five minute for a young dog is because of their tolerance as well? Or do you actually find that most of your patients really love having acupuncture and they tolerate it quite well? Every patient I I have loves acupuncture. Really? That's so Absolutely nice love it. That's they so nice. they come in and and it's amazing. I go back to um, you know, I might go to a client and the first time they get it, they're a bit apprehensive and a bit unsure. The next time I come in, they bound to the door and they say, oh, oh, their tails wow. wagging. <laughs> so, That's so nice for you. Session. <laughs> it's completely the opposite of what I used to experience with vaccinations. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Usually it's sort of dragging them in and there's, you know, their anxieties through the roof and it's, I mean, I know there's a lot of work um, being done um you know, in that area as well. Not not saying this is the norm, but certainly there's a there's a lot of that that still happens, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I just think I think people don't realise that there's so many app, app, uh, app, what do I say app, uh, applications yeah. for acupuncture here that I see like with behaviour, and yeah. I, I know that um, Dr. Muir has previously spoken about the P and I and yep. about. That that process of the mind gut skin axis, mm-hmm. and the most exciting stuff that's coming out is is stuff that Dr. Neil Savula is doing with scalp acupuncture, and yeah, um, okay. some of the tapping into emotional zones yeah, um, wow. in the mind, um, and showing major improvements in back health and wow. and motor function and things along those lines. Um, it's it's quite phenomenal to to sort of think that. In the past, that we really just did focus on back problems, or yeah. we did only just focus musculoskeletal, on musculoskeletal. Yeah, musculoskeletal, which you know, to be fair, you know, that it is brilliant. In you know, it is absolutely amazing to sort of be able to halve your rehab times because of acupuncture. It's yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's and that obviously that needs to go hand in hand with the rehab process. And certainly, you've had podcasts in the past um, with fantastic guests talking about the rehab process. But yep. it, I, I always say, and even every time I talk with a physio, I say you need the two together. You yeah. need something to alleviate the pain so that you can get the most out of your physio. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, increasing the blood flow, it sounds like acupuncture is is possibly the best way to do that. And we know that, you know, more more blood flow is quicker healing, better healing, reduced inflammation. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the bit that a lot of people don't realise about acupuncture. I think they often remember it for pain relief, but mm. it's things like it, it you know, it, when it actually results in the afferent signals of the dorsal root ganglion being activated, that it actually blocks the effects of substance P um, mm. in promoting neurogenic inflammation and that that type of thing. Yeah. So you you sort of think, well, that's pretty good. And not not only that, the reason that you were saying why do they come back? Because when when the signal gets to the brain, then you get this beautiful release of endorphins yeah. and, and 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 you also get release of serotonin. Yeah. So they actually have a similar effect to some of your, you know, your neurological drugs. blocking agents, yeah. you know, so in a natural way that yeah. has no side effects. Yeah, 
Yeah, gosh, you're you're really um you're really selling it to me. It's it sounds like a an absolute win win treatment for everything, like you're saying. Um, so fascinating, yeah. and there is so much science behind it, which is which is great yeah. for a lot of people who do like to see the science um, for alternative therapies. So it's yeah. it's good to have that. When we're talking about, uh, uh, I mean, we could do a whole entire another episode and maybe we will on, on TCM, but mm. are you always combining acupuncture with Chinese herbs? Um, is that something that's traditionally recommended? Yeah, I, I think it, it certainly exacerbates the effects of the acupuncture. Yeah, okay. So it um, because what you're trying to do is rebalance the body by stimulating points that are actually going to let the body try and heal itself. But if you combine that with some herbs that are actually trying to achieve whether you're trying to get damp out of the body, which is a, a one of the common things that we see with processed foods, mm-hmm. um, or you or you're actually trying to you know move blood. Um, which is, you know, there's certain herbs that are brilliant at doing that mm-hmm. in a natural way. Then you then you sort of get a prolonged effect of that acupuncture, and you don't need as many revisits if that's the case. Okay, um, yeah. and it works works really nicely. But I, 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 I was thinking about some of the other things we we're talking about. What you could apply. One of the things I've been amazed at because I've got this interest in anaesthesia is not only for pain relief but the calming effect before an anaesthetic um, yeah. is quite remarkable uh, to to be able to just put a needle in a GV20 or a DV14 um, and the the animal just relaxes and calms so that therefore you don't need as much pre-medicant, yeah, you don't okay. need as much um, alfaxalone for yeah. your inductions. Yeah. It's, it's quite great. fascinating to be able to use that in that setting yeah. Um, where most people wouldn't even think about it, or even in a cage. You know, you can yeah. say, okay, I'm just going to put a little needle in you yeah. and um, just walk away. You and, know, so um, and in recovery as well, do you use it yeah. in recovery? Because I'm yeah. thinking that yeah. that's, you know, that's a time if a patient has had a painful surgery or procedure, yeah. say they've had I, some teeth extracted or something essential like that. I'm wondering yeah. and, if this is a great yeah, way. Absolutely, to use it. and yeah. I, and I think that certainly. I mean, you can you. I mean, you think about you know you're putting local anaesthetic in for nerve blocks for teeth mm. and and those sort of things, and you're sort of saying, well, I'm I'm, what am I actually doing? Well, I'm actually just numbing a nerve, aren't I? Mm-hmm. And and really, acupuncture is just another form of that, mm. um, but actually yeah. probably just targeting it where the body can actually send a signal and say, well, maybe I can dampen down that effect. Um, and reduce reduce the nerve stimulation naturally, and you know you, you won't be maybe as powerful as a local anaesthetic, but certainly it's it's going to do no harm. Yeah, I mean, can it ever do harm? Is there any reason not to reach for acupuncture? Is there any side effects? Any caveats to using it? Nothing. No, Nothing. the only the only side effect that I've heard about is just watch your needles. Just make sure they don't eat them. That's yeah, okay. the main thing. Um, but even even in cases I have read where they have eaten them, they just pass through. So oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So not, that's lucky. Yeah, they're so fine, and they and they, they, there's never been an issue where I've heard about an obstruction. Oh gosh, um, and not not a um, you know they they don't puncture the intestine. No, they don't puncture. They're too fine. Oh wow. So okay, yeah, that's incredible. So, and they're compl- yeah, and they're literally completely blunt. Completely blunt. Yeah. Yeah. And you can actually you can actually rub them on yourself and everything else. It's it, yeah. they're absolutely blunt ended. So yeah. um 
you know, and that's why I just think that it's a, it really, to me, just says why aren't we using this mode? Yeah. It's, yeah, it is just one of those things that I just think, no, this is crazy. Yeah, we, well, I mean, this is the point of podcasts like this is that we we shout it out to the world mm. and, you know, we get people excited about it and interested about it. And and you've mentioned that you studied at the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies, yeah. CIVT. Yeah. Um, is that what you'd recommend if someone listening was really keen to become qualified to practice veterinary acupuncture, that's the best path to take in your opinion? Yeah, I think so. I think that, well, the two main ones that, that I think is that's a two-year diploma mm-hmm. and and it is quite intense and it, it involves quite a lot of study, um, but it's certainly the most detailed and you do lots of case studies and, and you do lots of reading and you certainly know Chinese medicine inside out by the end of the course. But if you don't feel like you can devote that sort of time, then certainly, and that's and that's probably the way you want to go when you want to incorporate acupuncture as part of your career. You know, that's what yeah, I sort yeah, of yep. would strongly suggest. But if you want to have acupuncture as part of your arsenal and, and certainly improving your outcomes with cases, and I'm sure there's a lot of GPs that just want to have it as a modality. Yeah, I think you so. Know, that just want to have it there and, and they can dabble in it and they can do it and they can test themselves on doing stuff. I, I think the certificate course with the International Vet uh, Acupuncture Society is really good and that's, that's a one-year certificate um, and it's based, uh, they have two workshops down in Melbourne and um, and that's certainly highly accredited as well and yeah, I find okay. that that's a, that's a really good one. And even if you don't want to do that, the CIVT2 also has smaller introduction to acupuncture courses so mm-hmm. it, you can just learn the basics and get that and they're like over six months so okay. there's pretty much something for everybody who's at every different stage mm. and where they want to and and certainly that that might be the first point of call you might say okay well I might just do a short course to start with and see if see if you're really things. interested, yeah. Yeah, see if that's really yeah. what you want to do and does, yeah. does is this what you really want to do? Yeah. Um, and then decide, oh, no, you know, I'm more a surgeon or something else, yeah. you know. <laughs> so even with that six-month course, is there, I mean, I know um, with some, I don't really know how it works with things like this in the veterinary world, but is there, do you have to become accredited or registered with a body to practice or can you sort of essentially take that knowledge and learn on the job? No, well, I, I actually asked the Australian Veterinary Association about that. No, there's no um, accreditation that you have to have to practice acupuncture. Mm. Uh, and so as a result, because I – and I presume it's probably because it really doesn't do any harm. Um, yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, and so if even, you get it wrong, sham it acu- <laughs> yeah, even sham acupuncture, which is where you put the needles in the wrong, the wrong spot. place improves the dog or cat's outcome. Really? Because, yeah, and th- and this is sort of where the the latest research is showing that it, it looks like they're getting a bit of a handle for what they think is happening and they think that what happens is there's these myofascial planes that are all interconnected yeah. underneath the skin and they all interrelate to each other, which is why when if you put a needle in your thumb that you get an effect in your Achilles. You know, and that sort of right. that sort of thing, because it, everything relates to everything else, yeah. and it just passes the signal, and they believe that the myofascial planes are the transmitting body that transmits the signals yeah. through 
through these areas. And I guess they, the Chinese say that they work in these channels. Um, and if you look at those channels from an anatomical point of view, they are very closely aligned to a lot of nerves that we study um, in yeah. our veterinary course. Yeah. So it's not all woo-woo medicine for people who are questioning no, things no, out there's there. there's a lot of science behind it. <laughs> there now. is a lot of science behind it. Um, amazing. Well, I think we've touched on most of the things I wanted to discuss. Is there anything else that you wanted to share about um, acupuncture and TCM and the work that you're doing, David? Yeah, I, I think the main thing is that as opposed to dry needling, which is what often the biggest fault I have with clients that come into to me to do acupuncture is they've had it done, but they've had it done by a physio. They haven't yeah. done it, had it done by a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner. They say, oh, it bloody hurts or it's it really sore. And, and I say, did it work? And I say, oh, it sort of worked a little bit. And then you realise that what's happening is that they're, unfortunately what's happening in the physiotherapy field is they're, they're not being trained with the philosophy. And as a, as a result, what's happening is they're just targeting the inflamed areas. Yeah. And while, yes, they will get an effect and it will definitely improve the outcome, without the knowledge of knowing that there's distal points away from that area that is in the same line as where that point of inflammation is, and you can use those to reduce the inflammation and then come back to the inflamed area once it doesn't hurt. Yeah. Um, and that 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 is part of the whole system. Yeah. And and I believe that this acupuncture is part of an, a real true integrated system of, of traditional Chinese veterinary medicine. And and now I'm sort of believing that integrative medicine is the future of where we want to head as vets because it's it involves much more. It's like everything needs to be interrelated like diet and herbs, yeah. the physical therapy modalities, laser, tens, telling from touch. Um, and then this P&I that, that Matthew um, was discussing in a yeah. previous podcast. Yeah, which encompasses um, it all, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 So I guess what I'm trying to say is that, that, that acupuncture is more than just a modality. It's more than a technique. It's actually using philosophy to understand how to use it. And that if, if we use it to diagnose, prevent and treat disease, then we can allow the body to restore itself. I love it. That's such a good way to sum up your very passionate discussion on acupuncture. And you've certainly taught me a lot and hopefully everyone listening as well. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us, David. It's been an absolute pleasure. That's a pleasure. Absolutely <laughs> pleasure to, to reveal the, the magic of acupuncture. Yeah, you certainly have. And I'm definitely going to book in another podcast for you to um, go more into the, the whole philosophy of traditional Chinese medicine as much as we can in, you know, an hour. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get 3,000 years into that. <laughs> yeah. We'll start working on a brief now. <laughs> okay. Thank you, David. You have a wonderful day. You too. This was the Pure Animal Podcast, and I'm Dr. Sarah Howard. If you enjoyed today's episode, please jump onto iTunes and give us a rating and review, which will help others find it.